You're listening to Comedy Central. March 21st, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Tonight is a pretty amazing person. She's an author, a physician, and the new president of Planned Parenthood. Dr. Lena Wen is joining us, everybody. Also, also on the show tonight, Joe Biden might have a running mate. Roy and Ronnie have March Madness, and slavery reparations are coming, maybe. So let's catch up on today's headlines. (laughs) Following last week's mass shooting in New Zealand, The whole world came together to offer thoughts and prayers. And New Zealand was like, thanks for the thoughts and prayers, but we want to do something also. New Zealand's prime minister taking swift action following the terror attacks on two mosques there. She's announced a ban on almost all military-style semi-automatic and assault rifles. New Zealand will ban all military-style semi-automatic weapons. We will also ban all assault rifles. The new law will take effect in just three weeks and includes a buyback scheme that could cost the country $138 million. But there's widespread and bipartisan support. I hope the gun laws will stop it from happening again. Uh, You cannot control people, so you've got to control the law. That's right. New Zealand announced a ban on assault rifles less than a week after a shooting. It's almost like these guys get their gun control on Amazon Prime, whereas in America, it's apparently delivered by a turtle who died in 1783. (laughs) Now, now look, now look, obviously, it's not entirely fair to compare New Zealand to America, right? Because America has a broken political system. So, yeah. Moving on to some other political news. (laughs) With the 2020 election a mere 592 days away, any candidate who hasn't yet entered the race risks getting left way behind. But one big name is looking for ways to leapfrog to the front of the pack. As Joe Biden strategizes the official rollout of his 2020 presidential bid, rumors are swirling that he could name a potential running mate at the same time. Close advisors to the former vice president reportedly have their eyes on Stacey Abrams. Well, well, well. (laughs) Stacey Abrams as a running mate, that makes things a lot more interesting, huh? Old white man, young black woman. Yeah, I mean, that combo works for every nursing home. Why not the White House? (laughs) Yeah, it works. And don't worry, I can make that joke. I was made by the same combination of people. But seriously, (laughs) in politics, you want a balanced ticket. It works out. I mean, it worked for President Trump, you know? He's a pussy grabber, whereas Mike Pence has a Ken doll smooth genital area situation going on. Also, it's funny to me how Biden keeps running hypotheticals by America before he fully commits to announcing. He's just like, guys, what if I ran for president? Okay, okay, now, what if I ran with Stacey Abrams? All right, now, what if it was just me, but with a jerry curl, huh? What do you say? (laughs) I mean, like, in a way, I don't blame Biden. You know, this is the same technique I used on my mom when I was growing up. I'd be like, hey, mom, what if I told you I left my school bag on the bus? And she'd be like, then I would spank you. Then I'd be like, yes, of course. Okay, now what if I told you my bag was stolen on the bus? 
And she'd be like, then I'll spank you and tell you to go find who stole it. I'd be like, okay, what if the bus was on fire and I had to escape, but I left my bag? She'd be like, then I'd be grateful you're alive. I'd be like, okay, that's the one I'm going with. <laughs> I will make an announcement regarding of the future of my bag tomorrow. <laughs> and finally, some news from the world of criminal justice. The police pursuit in Los Angeles ended with some moves that nobody expected. Highway patrol officers purposely hit the suspect's car, forcing him to spin out and stop. And then with guns drawn, they ordered the driver to step out, keep his hands up. He starts to comply and then pulls this stunt. Dancing in the middle of the street there. Dancing in the middle of Laurel Canyon. Uh, appears to be some type of break dancing. Yep, that happened. The suspect eventually raised his shirt to show he wasn't armed. Then he waited patiently to be handcuffed. Oh, man, yo, this has to be the most L.A. thing I have ever seen in my whole life. Like, everyone in that place is ready to audition at any moment. The cops are like, we've got you surrounded. There are cameras everywhere. Like, cameras? City of stars, are you shining just for me? Also, no black person would ever dream of doing this shit. Like, I heard the story and I was like, not a black person. <laughs> There's no black person. When the cops pull you over as a black person, no one's thinking of dancing. Firstly, because black, people, black people's dance moves look dangerous. Every single watch me whip, now watch me nay nay. <laughs> and secondly, black people just wouldn't do it. They wouldn't dance around cops, right? Black people won't even dance near a stripper cop, right? We're just like, yes, officer, I have been a bad boy, but please, I just want to see my family again. <laughs> All right, let's move on to today's top story. For our main story, let's talk about slavery. No, white people, come back! <laughs> Even today, the topic of slavery still brings up so many hot-button issues. Racism, Confederate statues, and lately, reparations. Should America compensate the descendants of slaves? For a long time, reparations were considered a radical idea. But recently, it's become a lot more mainstream, you know? Sort of like how we used to think hitchhiking was a crazy idea, but now we have a rating system for it and an app, and we're like, yeah, it's fine. Jake didn't murder me, five stars. <laughs> and you can tell how mainstream the idea of reparations has become, because pretty much every single one of the 89 Democrats running for president has gotten on board. Some 2020 Democratic presidential hopefuls are putting a new spin on an old idea, whether to pay direct descendants of slaves. I've long believed that uh, this country should address the original sin of slavery, including by looking at reparations. I think that we have got to address that, um, again, it's back to the inequities. I absolutely believe that we need to have some kind of accounting for the persistent racial inequities today. I believe it's time to start the national, full-blown conversation about reparations in this country. Wow. wow, that is really great to hear. Although, I have my eye on you, Elizabeth Warren. I feel like as soon as reparations are passed, she'll be like, there's something I didn't tell you about my ancestry results. I'm also 120th black, who knew? I accept cash check or Apple Pay. Now, it may not come as a surprise, but while Democrats seem to be uniting behind the idea of reparations, people on the right are just as united behind the idea of hell no. 
it is the party of reparations. Presidential candidates say Americans should be rewarded or punished based on their skin color. My great-great-grandfather, he fought with the Union Army. Do I get a discount? No need to grapple with practical questions about the proposal, like how you determine who receives and who pays for the reparations, how much it would cost, whether Nigerians who just arrived here would benefit. Okay, <laughs> what? That's just a stupid question. Nigerians don't need reparations, all right? They've already been paid by Jussie Smollett, okay? <laughs> what are you talking about? And look, obviously, there are a lot of details that would need to be figured out if America did decide to go with reparations, but that's not a reason to just dismiss it uh, out of hand. Like, you can make anything sound crazy by asking questions in a skeptical tone. I'm, I'm sorry, you wanna have sex? So, so what, you're, you're just gonna put y y a part of you inside a part of me, and, and then what, just pull, put it in and then pull it out and do it over and over again? And then what, the penis throws up and then there's a baby? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> it doesn't seem very realistic to me. <laughs> and now, surprisingly, there are some folks at Fox News who think there should be reparations, but maybe reparations for white people. They keep blaming America for the sin of slavery, but the truth is, throughout human history, slavery has existed, and America came along as the first country uh, to end it within 150 years. And we get no credit for that. Yeah! How come America doesn't get credit for having slavery for only 200 years? Yeah! It's one of the dumbest arguments I've ever heard. <laughs> first of all, there are many countries that got rid of slavery much faster than the US, all right? Second of all, you don't get credit for doing a bad thing less than someone else, okay? <laughs> That's like R. Kelly saying, guys, get over it. Have you seen the Michael Jackson documentary? <laughs> and now, to be fair, to be fair, there are some people on the right who are willing to consider reparations. But unfortunately, what they're saying is that that slave ship has just sailed. It is impossible to come up with a fair metric for recompensing slavery. Yeah. 10 generations after slavery's end. How do you calculate the financial penalty for injustices that my great-grandfather committed against somebody else's great-grandfather? Nobody alive today has a grandparent who was a slave. And in that sense, I think you reach a point where, you know, you need to move on. Yeah! Move on, people, it's over! You know, it's funny how with, uh, with slavery, these people are like, get over it, that's history. But if you try and take down a Confederate statue, it's like, how dare you, that's history. <laughs> and though it may seem like ancient history, 10 generations, that's not true. Slavery wasn't that long ago, all right? There actually are people alive today with grandparents who were slaves, right? In fact, up until a couple of years ago, there was a woman whose dad was a slave, her dad. Yeah, imagine growing up in a house where your father was a slave. That is harrowing. It also means as a kid, you can't complain about shit. <laughs> what are you gonna say in the house? She's like, ah, oh, school was so annoying today. Oh, school was annoying? You know what was really annoying? Slavery! <laughs> Dad, I can't believe you won't let me go over to Melissa's house. You know where I wasn't allowed to go as a kid? Slavery! <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. You know what else didn't make sense? I know, slavery. No, the ending of Inception. I didn't understand what was going on there. <laughs> It's just, like, it's just, here's the thing. It's just funny to me that in America, whenever people want to fix a problem, it seems like it's never the right time, you know? Reparations, ah, that was, that was so long ago. Gun control, it's too soon to talk about it. Climate change, it hasn't even happened yet. Let's wait for the ice caps to melt, and then we'll, what, do something? No, then it'll be too soon to talk about it. <laughs> and now, of course, the biggest obstacle to reparations 
will be public support. Because in a recent poll, a majority of black people support reparations, but 81% of white people oppose it. Now, that's a pretty drastic racial divide. So, to help us explain it, let's go to our expert on being white, Michael Costa, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for being here. It's a tough subject. Um, Michael, you are a white man. Thank you, Trevor. (laughs) What are your thoughts on reparations? Uh, I mean, this is a difficult issue, Trevor, but honestly, I think white people should support America paying reparations for slavery. Because let's face facts, slavery was the worst thing that America has ever done, not counting the time we stabbed the moon to death with the American flag. Wow, Michael, that's a really progressive opinion. It's not crazy. Reparations often do happen. Germany paid reparations for the Holocaust. Canada paid reparations to their indigenous people. I'm still paying reparations to my friend Tony. Apparently, watching the cats also means you have to feed them. You, you watch them die? What? I, I, anyway, anyway, we don't have time for that. Uh, aside from the cat thing, I'm actually impressed that mm. you, Michael Costa, a white man, mm-hmm. support reparations for black people. What? No, I'm doing this for white people. Because if America pays reparations to black people, then white people will finally be free from the bondage of white guilt. I knew there was a catch! What catch? I knew it! I want catch. I'm saying, wouldn't it be wonderful to wipe the slate clean? We pay reparations and white guilt goes away. No more worrying about, is it people of color or African Americans or my home dogs in the hizzle? That's why I'm pro reparations. First we elected Obama, then we gave Moonlight the Oscar, throw in reparations and we call it square. Costa, this is an ignorant argument, and honestly, I'm really offended by it. Whoa, sorry. Well, allow me to make reparations for how how I've wronged you. There's 50 bucks. All right, now I'm mildly irritated by what you said. It's a win-win. My guilt is gone, and you get to buy a new ceremonial Africa thing. What? Oops, I... I shouldn't have said that. Here's 50 bucks. I'm sorry about that. You know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not liking what you're saying, but I like this idea, I'm not gonna lie. Exactly. And that's just the beginning of what white people can do once we've atoned for the past. We can finally cornrow our hair and we can say words like on fleek and finally, finally, thank God, I can be rude to a black person and not have them think I'm racist, just that I'm a douchebag. So to all my fellow white home dogs in the hizzle, I gotta say, get on board with reparations because a wonderful guiltless day awaits us. A day when we can shake our dreadlocks in the sun and I can shout, free at last. Free at last, thank God almighty, we're free at last. Michael Costa, everyone, we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. Today, today is the first day of March Madness. And for full coverage in the world of sports, we turn to Roy Wood Jr. and Ronnie Chang with another edition of I Apologize for Talking While You Were Talking. Apologize for talking while you're talking. Look, March Madness is here, Ronnie. Can you feel the excitement? No one is doing their job today. Everyone is watching basketball. If North Korea wanted to nuke us right now, this is the time to do it. No one would even notice. Kim Jong-un from downtown, and yes, he nuked downtown. Finally, some parking spaces. Ronnie, I know you filled out your bracket. 
Only question to ask, who you got winning this year? Capitalism, Roy. Capitalism wins every year. This whole tournament is just a bunch of kids working hard for no pay, wearing shoes made by kids working hard for no pay. Yeah. And speaking of shoes, all eyes are on Duke star Zion Williamson. Last month, he injured his knee when his sneaker exploded into a sandal, but thankfully, <laughs> he's back and he's got some new kicks. Duke Zion Williamson did not miss a beat, I think it's fair to say, when he returned to the court. But all eyes, of course, were on his sneakers. The nation's top college basketball player bounces back in new and improved shoes. Nike made sure of that. Nike sent their top people to China, and they came back with these super sneakers, strong enough to support Zion's massive size and superior play. Huh. So the kid busts his shoes and Nike make him some new ones on the spot. But when I split my Levi's, the guy at the store is all like, sir, your body shape doesn't support jeans. It's disrespectful. Well, to be fair, they're not wrong, Roy. You are built like a gummy bear. My question is, why did Zion trust Nike again? If you ask me, he should have signed with Crocs. I mean, they're comfortable and they already look like they've exploded. They do, they do. Speaking of unexpected explosions, Robert Kraft, he's the Patriots owner and a man who ironically looks like melted Kraft cheese. Last month, he got busted in a prostitution sting, but that might not stop him from getting to visit his biggest fan. Robert Kraft could make an appearance at the White House before he appears in court to face solicitation charges. According to Politico, President Trump wants Kraft to join his players at the White House to celebrate the Pats' Super Bowl victory. White House aides, at least, are concerned that Kraft's presence could turn a feel-good photo op into, well, an embarrassing media spectacle. Okay, now some people say it's wrong to let an old pervert into the White House. Mm -hmm. But since he already lives there, shouldn't he be allowed to invite Robert Kraft? Yeah, it's very true, Shane. Ronnie Shane's very true. But honestly, Ronnie, there's no way Trump is going to disinvite Robert Kraft. If anything, I bet you Trump is gonna invite the masseuse too. Talk about a job summit, am I right? No? Stop right. it, stop it. In other NFL news, we gotta talk about the big trade, man. The Giants sent their superstar wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cleveland Browns, and one Cleveland kid got so excited, he almost browned his pants. Giants football fans are still coming to grips with losing star wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. Take a look at how fans in Cleveland are reacting. We got Odell! We got Odell! That is 17-year-old Robert Stewart. He's running through the streets of suburban Shaker Heights. And of course, while Stewart was obviously excited, some neighbors weren't sure what was going on, so they called 911. <laughs> 911, what is your emergency? I'm calling because there's someone up in front of our house. We just drove home and he's yelling and screaming and like flailing his arm. We got OBJ. I was so excited, I couldn't help myself. Okay, look, I love this. I love this kid. He's running through the neighborhood. We got Odell. Odell is coming. Odell is coming. He's like a football pro revered. It's great. I know. I wonder if this kid does this for all Cleveland sports, though, because those LeBron years must have been exhausting. We lost LeBron! We got LeBron back! Oh, we lost LeBron again! Honestly, it's just nice to see a 911 call go well. That shows how excited everyone is. Because that lady called the cops. She called the cops. There's a black man screaming, we got Odell. And then the 911 operator's like, wait, what, we got Odell? Oh, we got Odell! We got Odell! We got Odell! Roy Jr., Ronnie Chang, everybody.
My guest tonight is the new president of Planned Parenthood Federation of America and Planned Parenthood Action Fund. She is the first physician in nearly 50 years to lead the organization. Please welcome Dr. Lena Wen. Welcome to the show. Thank you, I'm so glad to be on, huge and fan. And congratulations on your new position. You have now been leading Planned Parenthood. Is it, is it six months now? How long has it been? Four months. Four months, straight into the job. And honestly, you have one of the most impressive resumes of any human being I have ever read. <laughs> no, genuinely, because I read it and I was like, this, this has to be wrong, the numbers are the other way around. Is it true that you attended college at the age of 13? It is. And you passed. <laughs> and somehow I'm here today as a doctor. No, I mean, you, 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 you went to college at 13. You, you, you graduated, you flew, you know, at the top of your class, you went on to work in healthcare mm -hmm. and you, you worked in, in, in healthcare in, in, um, in Baltimore. And you look at the programs that you enforced there. I mean, you, you are someone who has been a badass from day one. I mean, you, you implemented programs where you, you helped kids get uh, reading glasses and this improved test scores, which means the kids weren't dumb, they just couldn't see, right? That's right. And, and then you, you, you worked on improving general healthcare of, of the community. Has this always been your focus in life, improving other people's lives through health? It is. I've always wanted to be a doctor for as long as I could remember. And it's also, though, in working in the ER that I saw that what's making people sick isn't just the illness that they have. Right. If it's also systemic issues. And that's why I truly believe that healthcare has to be a human right that's guaranteed to all and not just a privilege available to some. When you take over Planned Parenthood, though, you are taking over an institution that is easily one of the most divisive in America. You have an institution that works to support so many women and their reproductive rights, and you have an institution that has become the single enemy of the right. What is your idea of what Planned Parenthood is supposed to be doing in this country? Planned Parenthood is a healthcare organization. That's how I got to know Planned Parenthood. My mother was a patient of Planned Parenthood, so was my sister, and mm -hmm. so was I. Just like one in five women in America. Right. Look, we're not the ones that made healthcare political. I mean, getting medications for your children, getting breast and cervical cancer screenings, SDI tests, right. these are not political issues. But when other people have made healthcare political, it's our duty to fight back with everything we have because it's about people's lives. And when you, when you... <laughs> when you fight back, you are fighting back against people who believe in their convictions as, as hard as you do. And you know, I, I've realized that this topic is, is one that is honestly, you know, one of the most entrenched in America. The topic of abortion in and around Planned Parenthood has been one of the biggest reasons that Republicans want to defund your organization. But you argue that reducing Planned Parenthood to only abortions doesn't take into account what the organization is really about. What do you mean by that? Abortion is a standard medical procedure that one in four American women will have in our lifetimes. It's part of the full spectrum of reproductive health care, which is health care. And it's important for us to speak about abortion in that context. Right. That in Planned Parenthood, we provide care to nearly two and a half million people 
Every year, we provide care to women, the full spectrum of services. Some of our health centers even provide mental health services, prenatal yes. care, postnatal care. We're proud also to serve men and non-binary people. Actually, we are really proud that we now provide hormone therapy for trans people, and we are looking to expand gender-affirming care to all of our health centers around the country. When you... As a, as a doctor, you are in a unique position because you are a physician. You know, most of us speak about this topic and it's an opinion based on what we've read, but you are actually someone who is qualified and you have studied this. Take us through the arguments against what many Republicans are proposing in the heartbeat laws. Just today, the governor of Mississippi signed into law a bill that would prohibit abortions after six weeks when most women don't even know that they're pregnant. And this is similar types of legislation have been introduced in 15 states right. just in 2019 alone. And this is terrifying. I mean, with Brett Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court, we face a real situation where one in three women of reproductive age, which is 25 million women, could be living in states where abortion is criminalized and banned altogether. And I know what that means. I, I have a mentor who practiced medicine in the 1960s, working in the ERs. Yeah. And he talked about how there was an entire area of the hospital called the sepsis ward. And it was filled with young women who were dying from infections and kidney failure because they had to go have unsafe abortion care. And that's what could happen now. Thousands of women died before Roe versus Wade, and that could happen now. And this is what we need to call out. We need to call out that reproductive health care is health care and that we're fighting for people's lives. When you look at the arguments that Republicans pose from the other side, they say, we're here to protect the unborn child. Um, President Trump has been seen on the campaign trail saying this is about late-term abortions. You know, you hear the stories now where, I mean, President Trump actually said it's gotten to the point where um, a baby can be aborted after it is born. Now... <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> but you're a doctor. What, what, what do they mean by late-term abortions, like after birth or at birth? Good response from the audience. <laughs> we have to call out President Trump for what he's doing, which is lying. I mean, what he's saying has no basis. <laughs> What President Trump is saying has no basis in medicine or reality. <laughs> and, and here are the facts. About 99% of abortions occur before 21 weeks. Mm -hmm. And those that occur later in pregnancy are because something in the pregnancy has gone very wrong. I treated a woman who found out at 21 weeks that she was carrying twins that would never develop their diaphragms or their lungs. And if she'd carried them to term, they would have suffocated upon birth. I mean, these are extremely difficult, hugely personal and challenging circumstances that women and families find themselves in. Right. And they deserve our compassion. And President Trump is exploiting their pain for political gain. And I say to him, shame on you, President Trump. You're at the beginning of a journey. You're at the beginning of a journey. You're also um, at the beginning of a new Supreme Court. You're also at, um, I mean, the beginning of 
Donald Trump's, you know, uh, I guess, effect on the conversation. You look at what Republicans are doing now in and around the country with uh, abortion laws. One of the biggest things that concerns many women and many of the people at Planned Parenthood, I've read, is um, what the government is saying in and around what doctors can recommend or how you can have conversations around abortion. What are those issues specifically? A month ago, the Trump-Pence administration came out with a gag rule around the Title X program. So Title X is a program that provides 4 million low-income women and families with affordable birth control, Mm -hmm. um, cancer screenings, STI tests. And the Trump administration came out with a gag rule saying that doctors now cannot provide referrals for women for abortion care, even if women are asking for abortion referral. And it's not even clear what we would do as doctors if it's medically necessary. I mean, this is direct censorship. It's putting a gag on doctors and forcing us to withhold information from our patients. And this is why over 100 medical and nursing and public health organizations are opposing this rule, including the American Medical Association. Now, we at Planned Parenthood would never gag our doctors. We would never force our doctors to lie to our patients. And that's why we are fighting this gag rule with everything we have, including we just recently filed a lawsuit to sue the Trump-Pence administration against this illegal and unethical rule. Look, I... uh tell you this much, you are uh, a doctor who is a woman who is running Planned Parenthood, who finished college and is an immigrant. You are literally Trump's nightmare. (laughs) So, uh, good luck on your journey. Welcome. Welcome to your new job. Dr. Lena Wen, everybody. Thank you so much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.